Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's another week of Cinematics. This is episode number 171. Yes, we are back. It's the year 2023. I can't believe we've done 171 episodes of Cinematics. I was t- talking the other night, or actually messaging messaging me and co-host Eric Holmes. We never talked during the week. We just messaged each other on Facebook. Eric, what were you telling me about this week on Cinematics? What, are you excited about this week regarding the movies that we have for this episode we, we definitely got some interesting movies I'll, I'll, i guess i'll just kind of leave it at that interesting <laughs> okay you're da- a little bit a little bit of dancing eric holmes is doing some tiktok dancing bruce perky don't do the tiktok dancing what do you what do you got uh, we got mars one landlock Candyland. eric was saying it's going to be an interesting one is were you inspired by the our selection for this week so you you listed three movies i would say we have the good we have the great and we mm-hmm. have the mm, okay. Mm, well, at least it's not bad. Eric, would you agree? Is it an the worst one is an mm, okay, or do you think the the worst one is an oh geez, this is we'll, we'll get to it. There's definitely a movie on here that I do not like at all, but I think some people are gonna love. And we'll we'll get to that when we get to it. But we'll get to okay, we'll get to it when we get to it. Now, also, Bruce. We, what is your box movie for the episode 171? What are we going to be talking about? Uh, Little Forest. We watched the Korean version, the Korean version of Little Forest as suggested by Jim Cummings. Yeah, Jim Cummings, director from The Beta Test. So that's going to be an interesting movie for us to cover this week on cinematics. But other than that, and, and look, you know what, for our YouTube, people who watch our YouTube, when I put the videos up on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel, Bruce <laughs> is going in and out. In and out of the screen, but that's okay. Uh, we're we're heavily an audio podcast, Bruce, so you can become the invisible man no matter what. All we need is your really golden voice for the episode. So make sure you can teleport wherever you want, Bruce. Just look. He'll keep <laughs> teleporting again, Eric Holmes. He's, He's landlocked on Mars. Landlocked on <laughs> Mars. Look, there's. I see on the Google Doc any New Year's resolutions. I don't know if Bruce or Eric put that there. I'm. I'm gonna guess maybe Bruce. Let's start with you, Eric. Do you have any New Year's resolutions for this year? Any personal goals, whether it be cinema or just life in general? No more or less than usual. I finished a uh, finished a draft of uh, I'm Legend script that I wrote just for fun, and I got two other scripts that I want to finish. Probably finish it within the next couple of months, but certainly by the end of the year. That, that's about it. That's all I got. That's all you got. Why do you like to do that just for the fun? Of, why do you do scripts just for the fun of it, Eric? You just like writing scripts? Is that your your bag? Yeah, for me, it's kind of like living with characters. It's a lot more intimate than like like you read a, a book or watch a movie. You kind of get to be with the characters intimately. But like when you get the right scenes with them, it's like a lot more intimate. So that's that's the fun of it for me. Um, okay. I mean, that finished product doesn't always turn out great, but, you know, that's why you rewrite <laughs> What did you think of your version of I Am Legend when you did the script? It's got it's got problems, but again, that's just the first draft. But I don't own I Am Legend, so I'm not going it, to... It, it's hard to spend a lot of time on something you don't own any sort of rights to. It almost feels like you're wasting your time at a certain point. But I got the first, I got the first draft out of the way, so we're good there. Wow. Do you feel you're, you're a better writer just for doing these kind of exercises? I hope so. If I'm not, then I got problems. 
<laughs> I read somewhere, Eric, that doing what exactly what you're doing makes you a worse writer. Bruce, did you read that? We read the same oh, article about right. that. That what yeah, Eric's doing. I would is... have had to read something to read that article. <laughs> okay, so Bruce, regarding resolutions, do you have any resolutions for the two o two three? I don't actually have any other than what I've been doing the last few years, which is making sure if there's something that I've kind of put off and I really feel like I should watch it, I at least put it in the box. At least do that. Mm. So. Okay. I don't even know if you remember, but from whatever is currently in the box right now, is there one movie that you're thinking about that you're really excited to watch? Or did you forget everything that's in the box, basically? Because there's so many things. <laughs> there's so many things. I think that's actually the problem is that I don't remember a lot of them even went in there until it pops out of the box. So I know there's some that I don't want to see <laughs> that are in there that my, usually my son has, has had me uh, introduce. I think he had me just introduce the brand new musical version of Matilda from Netflix. So that's somewhere on the horizon. Okay. Very, very good. And I think the movie that you don't want to see, Eric, do you remember the movie that Bruce does not want to see as far as the what's in the box segment? Do you remember? Well, he already saw the gray man, so it can't be that. <laughs> uh, was it the no was Dune, it the, Dune Part Two? Dune Part Okay, very good, Eric. No, I'm thinking maybe the Emoji Movie. No, you already saw that, right? Did you see the Emoji Movie? Wait, did I see the? Emo- <laughs> I don't remember. No, I saw the. I saw something. No, did I see the Emoji Movie? No, it was another one that was similar to the Emoji Movie, but it was oh, oh tennis that. It was tenant. There, that's it. Eric is throwing shots left and right at Bruce right now. We haven't even gotten to the first round. Bobbleheads. Bobbleheads. That's bobbleheads. That's That's the movie. movie? The bobbleheads. I even talked about it on here. It's terrible. Oh my goodness. It's so terrible. Well, the good news, folks, is we don't I I think we don't have one terrible rotten apple in this bunch for episode 171. So you're going to be treated to hopefully mainly good to great movies there might be one movie that you're gonna be uh we who knows because well i haven't seen it we'll see if bruce and eric what they have to say about this movie but let's get to a movie that all three of us have seen this movie is called mars one this was at the behest of bruce porky he wanted us to cover this film it is up for a nomination this is brazil's oscar selection this year for best international feature film mars one and it's a very simple plot it centers on a black family living in Brazil, they're lower middle class, and each of them, there's four people in the family, the son, the the young kid, he, he's pretty good at soccer, but he really wants to go up in the Mars One project. He has dreams of the stars. His dad works at a high rise as a, what is it, a, a janitor or a maintenance? What is it? Eric Brucey, what's, what's the position? Like a maintenance? Yeah, like a maintenance man. Yeah, maintenance man over at a really Tony high rise in, in Brazil. So he's hard working. And the mother... She works as a housekeeper for different families. What's interesting about the mother is she has some, she is actually going through some kind of not, I don't I wouldn't say a midlife crisis, some sort of personal spiritual crisis that actually it's, it's weird and a little bit comedic and dark. And that's a big uh, undercurrent throughout the movie. And then also the girl, the daughter in the family, she actually strikes up a new relationship with another girl. And they have designs of their own. And so she has designs of leaving the family. It's just a family drama set in Brazil. That is the premise of Mars One. Does it actually, does this movie, is it more than just a family movie? Does it actually reach reach another level regarding Mars One? Eric Holmes, what do you think? Is this movie worth a watch or is it just a predictable family drama? Well, it's not predictable. I, I actually take issue with you saying that there's a plot to this because I don't think there is one. This is, you're hanging out with a family. And you're hanging out with these characters and just kind of watching how they interact. So there's not really much 
I mean, there's a little bit of a story, but that's not, I don't think that's going to be the draw to this. This is going to be something like maybe like Little Miss Sunshine. So, you know, something, something in that kind of ballpark where if you enjoy the characters and you like watching the characters live their life, you're going to be, you're going to fall into this one. You're going to fall in love with them. If you can't get there, you're going to hate this movie because it's just nothing happening after nothing happening. And that, I mean, the performances and the characters are what brings you in. And if you can't be brought in by that, then this is not going to be a movie for you. I, however, did like it because I like the characters, especially the youngest boy. When he's watching the Neil deGrasse Tyson videos, I'm like, already i am like the daughter uh the mom going through like those little ptsd things that she was going through i didn't quite grasp what that was all about but that was kind of interesting little kind of wrench to throw in there and of course the the dad and his uh co-worker they were fun to listen and talk to you're basically just hanging out with friends at this point and if you don't like these people they're not your friends and you're not going to want to hang out with them that's basically all i could say about this Bruce. i just happen to like it okay eric happened to like it it is episodic in many ways, anecdotal, episodic. Do you agree with Eric's assessment of the film as far as it being really not much of a plot? It's more of a, you're actually just witnessing what they're going through pretty much. Uh, I do. I do to a lot of degrees in that it's kind of that slice of life kind of a thing where you're where you're with a family and, and it's really definitely hanging strongly on the characters as opposed to a plot or like a, a driving um, conflict of some sort. Although there are a lot of little micro conflicts, which... Uh, it kind of gets to the crux of what I really like about this movie. And that is there aren't any really real villains. There aren't any real, there are some stakes. They are kind of big, but they're not this big, like life or death stakes necessarily. They're the kind of stakes that are big for actual people in the actual world. So they're big to them, but to us, they might seem smaller. I loved the fact that I feel like this movie is really open, I, I open-hearted to its characters. Like it's lets its characters have flaws, but it, it, it seems like a movie and a script that loves the characters and it kind of is, is inviting you to love them too. So I agree with Eric though, if you're, if you're not into them, you maybe wouldn't be, but I find them pretty universally engaging people at the whole family. I find the whole family engaging in different ways and I like them all a lot. And I think the fact that you can have four quote stories and I was invested to some degree in all four stories and even in how they interact with each other, I was invested as well that I think that's a testament of a, of a pretty good script or if nothing else, acting, you know, to get these characters to, to life. And I was looking them up and a lot of them don't have a ton of credits. So especially the kids. And it also looks pretty great too. Like this is also one of those movies where, you know, you place this in America and we might be a lot more familiar with it. And and here you get to see kind of a, a version of what you said, like working poor, maybe. Maybe it would be, you know, in America, you'd be more familiar with it. But seeing it in Brazil kind of adds a, a flavor for me that's a little different. And I enjoyed that as well. If you want to talk about the plot, I guess one thing I would say that's kind of a driving kind of concept in this is all the characters have kind of expectations for each other and expectations for themselves and goals that they want to achieve that aren't always in alignment with other people's expectations. And I think that's kind of the driving dramatic force for all the characters is how they work through those kind of their wants and dreams versus the expectations placed upon them by whoever, whomever it is in the family or society or whatever it might be, and how they kind of work through those things. And I thought that was pretty great, too. I think we bring up driveways a lot in this movie, but I can see that kind of vibe, too. That's that kind of hanging out with people and characters you really like, and feeling like it's a lived-in world where you can imagine it went on before and after you're watching it, and you would have no problem, if you like it, you would have no problem watching them again, you know, watch what they're going to do. And you just are enjoying seeing this little bit of their life. So it, I really liked it quite a bit. 
I had a problem with this movie for the first maybe 25 minutes. We talk about slow burn thrillers. This is a slow burn drama for me. For some people, it might, it's a slow to take situation to Eric's point. I think it's, it eventually grabbed hold of me as the minutes progressed. And by the final act where you see their dreams collide, what are they going to do with each other? Are they going to come? Are each of the family members going to come to some kind of common ground? Where, where does this, will they survive another day? So to speak, I found that the third act to be pretty, I, I don't need explosive is not the right word, but really resonant and real because you built up so much investment, emotional investment into, into the family members that by the end, you really want everything to work out. And ultimately this movie's verges on the sweet and tender. And like you said, open-hearted side. So this is a, a feel good movie for me, but not feel good in the terms of, oh, it's lathering a a whole bunch of syrup and saccharin to the proceedings. So I was very emotionally invested to Mar- in Mars One, and I thought the ending was pretty much a knockout for me. So Mars One for me, I really flipped for this. I'm giving this four and a half out of five stars. Eric Holmes, your rating, final thoughts on Mars One. I kind of, eh, I'll probably do uh, three and a half on this one. I like the uh, the characters, but I don't know that this is one I'm going to go back to. But still, I, I like the time that I spent with it. Fair. There's going to be some visual. There are some, Bruce, you were talking about some visual sequences. There's a sequence where she's at, where the mother is in a diner. Something happens. There's a lot of smoke. And it's just a visually arresting scene, really well paced. There's another sequence where where there's where there's a bike. There's a bike and a hill. Let's just say there's a bike and a hill. And most filmmakers would have shot it a certain way. I loved where the how the director Gabriel Martins how he actually well I'm going to say lens how he lenses <laughs> how he lenses things. I love his visual approach to various sequences in the movie. So Eric, to your point, this is will be actually a rewatch for me. There are certain sequences in this movie that I think I will go back. It's going to be on select screens and Netflix on January January fifth. When I have my iPad or computer screen and I see Mars One in front of me, I may go back and watch certain sequences of this movie. Bruce, Greg, you're ready. Yeah, I'm going to say, Greg, Greg doesn't watch movies in IMAX. He watches them in iPad. <laughs> okay, okay, that's enough, Eric, because I, I apologize. It's not iPad, it's iPod. So, oh, gotcha. <laughs> Bruce, it's not Apple Watch? <laughs> I wish, you know, Apple Watch. I'd be glad. I could do it there. Lawrence of Arabia on my Apple Watch. Bruce, you're, you're rating on, look at the desert. I don't care about the desert. It's just like a drop of water to me. So, Bruce, what are your final rating on your rating on March 1. I really liked the characters throughout. I was engaged pretty much right away. I think I, I enjoyed it from the get-go. So I, I'm four and a half as well. I, I I really liked living with these characters. I enjoyed them quite a bit. Bruce, were you surprised at how much it affected you or you glommed onto this family? And I how mean, good this it, movie was, yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, I, it was kind of a stab in the dark. I didn't know it was nominated for Best International Film from Brazil. I just saw it and thought, well, that looks interesting and different. Let's see what it is, you know. And those, I mean, look, it's a perfect example. We just watched, uh, what was it, a Corsage, right? Nothing much happens in Corsage either. But to me, it's just, there's such a difference. And it, it's it's hard to explain to people unless they actually see it. Like you say, both don't have plots, but one I was absolutely engaged by and one I was absolutely not. So there's a lot of just kind of personal take, I guess. That what attracts you and what works for you? Yeah. Eric, you loved Corsage, correct? I, I, I My memory doesn't serve me well. Did you really 
Corsage. Did you said? Did you say Corsage is way better than Candyland? Is that what you said to me last night, or was that you know in the in the message, or was that a, my my imagination? What do you think, Eric? Well, oh, sorry, I didn't catch the second half of that. I fell asleep as soon as you said Corsage. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm both very good, Eric Holmes. Very good with a quick wit. Now, Corsage. In fairness. Bruce and Eric took the requisite bullet for that. I still have not seen Corsage. Another it's, getting, it's getting pretty good reviews, though. So, I mean, you know, if you haven't seen it, give it a shot because other people seem to get stuff out of it that apparently we didn't. Corsage or Candyland, which would you recommend? Um, Candyland. Spoiler, Candyland. Candyland. <laughs> Candyland. <laughs> Eric Holmes just spoiling it. Candyland. Candyland. We're not going to get to Candyland yet, Eric Holmes. We're going to get to a movie that, well, let's look, let's look at the movies that Greg doesn't see on a weekly basis. Here's a movie called Landlocked from Dark Sky Films. And I say this in jest because out of all three movies, all of the three featured movies this week, this was the one movie that I really wanted to see, but I just never did get to it. It says here, incorporating actual found footage in the form of childhood home movies, Landlock features a cast of real-life family members playing fictional version versions of themselves. It says a horrif- horrifying, fictitious storyline. Bruce Perky, what is the storyline to Landlock and this idea of using childhood home movies within the framework of whatever the story is about seems interesting. What's the execution? What's the plot? Boilerplate plot on this? Boilerplate plot. I know, I know Eric wants to give his boilerplate plot. I will just say this. So a kid goes home to this family home that's pretty much abandoned or mostly abandoned before it's going to be demolished after the father has died. He's going through the belongings that are left behind. He finds uh, home movies and a home video camera. I won't say exactly what happens with that because I guess that would be a spoiler. Let's just say there's a, a kind of a fantastical or magical element to it. And I would say the idea of incorporating home movies and this fantastical element are really, it's a really interesting idea. Now, this is the kind of movie that Benson and Moorhead might make and would be low budget, but excellent or primer. Those kind of movies where they have ultra low budgets, but ultra high concepts. And they, they pull it all together and you overlook the low budget because of the high concept. Unfortunately for this, for me, this is my personal feelings. I don't, I know it's her family, family footage, so I don't want to be too mean to it. But for me, this is a lot like being invited to watch someone's home movies or slides. You know, that is when people roll their eyes because it means a lot to people who know about it, but to people who don't know about it, watching people sit around a campfire making small talk isn't very interesting. And this movie is kind of that, like from beginning to end. Bruce, 75 minutes. Was it 75 or 74 minutes too long for you? Uh, Maybe 60 minutes too long. There might have been like 15 total minutes that I was somewhat engaged. Okay, that's fair. Eric, do you echo Bruce's sentiments regarding Landlocked? I think you have some thoughts on this movie. I have a friend named Ben, and he loves the movie jerry he would love landlocked okay. if you're the type of person that's watched that or uh, uh gus van zandt's last days the kurt cobain one that's not about kurt cobain but it doesn't matter because basically it's just him like wandering around the house like staring at the walls for two hours this is that kind of movie almost to a t if you're into that kind of style then i think you're gonna like this quite a bit if you're not into that style run turn around and run as fast as you can <laughs> you know in, in fairness so eric you, you know that kind of style you said it has an audience yeah. so it does within that style within those jerry parameters last day's parameters does it execute its intention yes, yes. and that i probably put in the carpet before the horse see normally we give three-star bangers to movies that are like b movies it's like if you're into that thing you're really gonna like it i think this kind of nails that style it's going for 
I just absolutely hate that style. Like it, it was like watching paint, literally like watching paint dry. But you've you've enjoyed movies where the paint is drying, right? I mean, you yeah. right? I'm it just well, has- like the, a, a good example of that would be a ghost story, right? Because it, yeah. it starts off extremely slow, and it's like there's nothing going on. But eventually, you get to the part where the ghost meets other ghosts, and then all of a sudden, now your brain starts turning. It's like, oh, okay. And then the movie kind of picks up and things start happening. And then by the end of the movie, you're a, a wet mess of tears and snot. And, you know, it's it's a great movie. Something like Jerry or Last Days. I, I think there was one time I watched Last Days and I was like, I was kind of getting into the getting into the vibe of it a little bit. But like, it, it's just not, I'm just not there most of the time. And this was kind of that. I think it was going for that kind of style. And I think it does that style well, but you would have to be predisposed to like that. Otherwise, I think most people just watch this and just think it's boring. There's actually a scene where he's uh, looking at a car, turn the key, and it's like, nothing's happening. And I'm like, <laughs> that's the perfect review of this movie. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Bruce, nothing's happening with Landlock. You said there were 15 minutes that you maybe locked you in, like pun intended, for a little, for 50 minutes, but overall, nothing's happening for you? Yeah. I think to me, the major problem is if, if they just wanted to go for that and that was it, then that would be that would be it. Like like Eric says, it would be either for you or not for you. That would be its style. But the problem is it includes this fantastical element and it includes some mysterious things. So it almost implies that there if you if you want to unlock this puzzle, you can unlock this puzzle. But I think that goes nowhere. So I think that if there's any failing, it's almost that they tried to do that but didn't lean into that. So I almost would say that it's a little less successful because of that being added in. Or this would be a fantastic short. I could see this being a great yeah. short, like maybe a 10 minute short, but it's, it's way stretched out, you know, at 75 minutes. So, right. Okay. Way stretched out at 75 minutes. Bruce, to Eric's point, is this a movie that you would recommend to people who like Jerry or Last Days or atmospheric features that I, I, maybe I, I still am a little hesitant on that because I think, like I said, I think it hedges its bet between other types of movies. I think if it mm. went just to that, I would maybe more wholeheartedly recommend it. I don't think I can even recommend it necessarily to those people either. Okay. With that said, Bruce, what is your rating on Landlocked? I'm going to give it a, probably a generous two because I feel like the concept is interesting. And I think there could be a really interesting movie made with the concept and the artifice that it has in its core. It's just the execution doesn't really go there. Eric Holmes, your yeah, rating? I'm, I, I'm three-star banger on this. If you love Jerry and you love Last Days, that kind of slow-paced movie, get on this. In fact, this will be one I recommend to my friend Ben and no one else. Okay, three-star <laughs> three banger because you're generous and you're you're active. It's a popular I, I think I think the people that are into this style will watch it and be like, I, I never get to see movies like this. Thank you. And then the rest of the people will be like, I, I don't get it. I don't like it. And pretty much, yeah. Okay, that is very interesting. We'd love to hear people who really are fans of Landlocked running at 75 minutes, directed, produced, and written by Paul Owens. And like Bruce was mentioning, his family members, his beloved family members, are the the co-stars of this movie. Where can you find this? It's in select theaters, VOD, and digital platforms on January 6th. That is Landlocked, two stars from Bruce Perky, a three-star banger from Eric Holmes. Next movie is a movie called Candyland. Five-star banger for me. We're done. I love this movie. Is there anything else to say? I, I'm, I'm going to stop the show right now. I, I have nothing to add to that. I agree wholeheartedly. Just, uh, there's, there's a new voice in cinema. His name is John Swamp. Okay. I, I love this movie so much. I don't care what 
I'm going to say it anymore. I just listeners stop the stop the podcast. <laughs> stop your driving. Just go and watch Candyland. That, that's that's all I'm going to say about Candyland. And I'm going to shut up because I'm going to let Bruce take it from here because this movie, I don't know. How can I explain a movie about lot lizards and their people who are <laughs> in the truck, st- truck stop, they're truckers. They want to get, get their kicks off these young teenagers who they're, they're there's prostitutes there and then there and there's people who are getting murdered in the bathroom and then there's there's also a religious fundamentalist group and then there's a girl there who becomes part of the whole area and she was part of the fundamentalist group and that that's her family i don't know it's a very intrigue i i know i sound very confusing and and ridiculous right now i'm just excited to to, to talk about Candyland. i want bruce to actually most articulate eric i'm sorry you and i are not very articulate i want bruce to articulate what i'm trying to say regarding Candyland. what is it about your thoughts on the movie Okay, well, what it's about? Uh, it starts out first of all. The opening is fantastic. They've got a what is it? Is it? Um, it's a family fiction? show, Bruce. Uh, it, we make great pets. Uh, they use that song. We make great pets. Uh, I want to say. I think this is Perry Farrell, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. It's Perry Farrell by himself. But Perry, it has that song going through the whole thing, and you're following around the oh, various porno for pyros. There you go. Sorry. Thank Very you. Very good. You Very fixed good, me on yeah. that one. Yeah. Okay. Rewind. Porno for Pyro song, <laughs> Pets, uh, is playing over the opening parts of this movie, and you're following the kind of day in, day out uh, of the, I guess, quote, lot lizards, because they call them that in there. But uh, uh, basically, the uh, teenage or s- almost teenage uh, prostitutes, both male and female, that go around this truck stop and also the nearby hotel. And you kind of follow them around from truck to truck and, and kind of just get an idea and a flavor of what's going on. And you get also an idea that this movie is going to have a very kind of stylistically, it's like grindhouse and sleazy, but kind of artistic in the same time. So it kind of it kind of treads that line. And then very quickly, you get to meet the main characters. Uh, one of them is the actor from My Heart Can't Be Tell You Can't Tell It, uh, until you can tell it to uh, yes. Owen, Owen Campbell. Hey, Owen Campbell. Yeah, I said that about <laughs> 10 times too wrong. Because I'm so articulate, as Greg said. He's <laughs> just letting me like <laughs> bite my own tongue through this thing. Anyway, you meet all the main characters. How dare you? How dare you on your one minute plus review not even mention William Backdraft Baldwin in the movie? I was getting to him. <laughs> William Baldwin it comes in and he plays this super sleazy cop who is their quote friendly cop, but he has his own uh, relationship with one of them. Uh, you go through all this stuff, and then of course there's the fire and brimstone uh, preacher kind of family that's uh, parked out in front of this truck stop as well. I guess the inciting incident of this movie is the uh, one of those cultists, or what do you want to call them? One of those fire and brimstone girls seems to run away from her cult and join up with our already well-established crew here in Candyland. And that that's kind of the basic setup. And from there, um, it goes places, I would say. <laughs> it goes places. The aforementioned girl who breaks off with the cult is played by actress Olivia Lucardi from It Follows. And I believe she's in a new series with CBS Paramount called, I think it's East New York or something. Or Olivia Lucardi as Remy. So Remy is the headliner in this piece for Candyland. But what's also interesting is the other uh, quote-unquote lot lizards couple of them are really well-rounded. You get to really follow their characters' journeys as well. My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To's Owen Campbell has a really big role in this, and he was also an ex. He plays Levi as well. So I'm sure that's right up your alley, Eric Holmes. The only way I would detract people from seeing this or prevent people from seeing Candyland is it does get violent at times. There is, right. And, the, and the, well, there is nudity in, in this movie. There are some graphic sequences, all that. That's just if 
for people who can't stomach certain sequences. All that said, I I can't say there's a, a lot of style involved, very stylized picture, great performances. I'm going to tell you, there's a little bit of humanism involved too. There's a lot of humanity in this movie, which I, I thought to be quite refreshing amidst all of the violence. Eric Holmes, I, I was watching this movie and thinking, this is an Eric Holmes movie written and directed by John Swab. Was I right on that in fact? Yeah, 100%. Well, first of all, so people don't know, I work with uh, semi-trucks and trailers uh, most of my life. So the uh, whole, and I'm not going to say this movie is like 100% accurate in, in as far as like Lot Lizard and stuff go, but you can tell they've done a little bit of their homework. There, there's certain details in this that I kind of appreciated just kind of growing up and working around that that sort of stuff. Not necessarily the Lot Lizards, but the truck driver stuff, like a lot of that. There's a lot of crossover. I, I love the characters in this i love that the characters uh were like the movie didn't judge them for what they do you know there was uh certain characters that judge them for what they do but for the most part it's like you know this is some of them are oh this is what i need to do to get by and i just learn to deal with it uh one of the characters like dude this is awesome (laughs) he's paid to have sex this is sweet you know they got just a bunch of really great characters this you know there's certain twists and turns some of them i saw coming some of them i didn't there was a part where someone gets hit with the uh Mm. hub of a trailer axle i I like that a little detailed (laughs) just happened to be laying around yeah that's this is uh and and the ending the the ending of this is really great too i I just love everything about this well i'm not as perfect start Perfect start to the new year. Right, exactly. It's all downhill from here. It is really all downhill after Canyonland, I'll tell you. It's going to be hard to top this movie. I know you guys think we're all three of us might be on some kind of substance or something, but I am so in love with Candyland. Look, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not an expert in horror films like Eric or Bruce. But what I found really cool about Candyland, one of the many things, is you care about these characters. You care about what happens to them. You want them to survive. Let's just say what if something bad befalls them, you're... At least I I felt bad. I mean, a lot lot of horror films, you're just saying, okay, it's another body count. Let's just move on. It's the part of this, the aesthetic. But this actually really, really struck me with its, it's stylized, but there's a lot of humanity behind it as well. So yeah, I am all over it. Final, we're not going to talk about the needle, the the second needle drop in the movie, which I thought was awesome, but that happens in the third act. You've got to see it. It has a memorable final act. There's, I, are there any weaknesses to the movie? I don't think yes. so. I, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Bruce, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, I was highly disappointed by the third act of this movie. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Let me hear it. Let me hear I it. love the first two thirds of this movie, all the character stuff, the setup, everything about it. The last third I hated. Get out. Yeah, it was Ooh. super generic. It got super-, super generic and it just it just like rushed the endings of a bunch of storylines that I thought thought was just cheap and I thought they just absolutely dropped the ball in the final third of this movie. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I thought the last the last part was just really, really cheap and really not up to the par of the rest of the movie and the rest of the plot. You set up all these great characters and you did nothing with them. Well, I don't want to say what happens okay. oh, because okay. I don't want to spoil things. But I Bruce, think that what they did was they they didn't meet the standard of the rest of the movie. What about okay, Devil's Advocate? What about what if someone says, Oh, it's a it's just a tonal shift in the narrative? No, I don't I I the 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 level of what was happening was fine, but what happened to me was absolutely not interesting. It was like one movie cared about the characters and the other movie didn't care about the characters at all it just was like now we're going to be this kind of movie at the end which i was absolutely not interested in if it had been that movie all the way through i'd been like okay that is what it is but that's not what the rest of the movie was the rest of the movie was a character movie with other stuff happening the last half of the the last third of the movie was not a character movie at all 
except for one character, but that was that was the part that was the least interesting to me. But that's me. Mm. I mean, obviously you guys loved it. And there's also one other thing that really, really did not like. There was a a Santa character that came in. Mm -hmm. And that was about 10 minutes of the movie that did not have to be in there because it led to nothing. It's it's a Christmas movie, Bruce. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah, I know. Just to make it a Christmas movie. But that also was absolute misfire. So, uh, and then the very, very final. Okay, I'm going to say the very, very final touches. I absolutely loved that too. Mm -hmm. So the very final thing. And I liked that. I wish that had been incorporated. I know it was kind of incorporated, but I wish that had been incorporated more in the movie. Once again, it 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 was being a five star movie for two thirds, and then it became a like a two and a half star movie for the final third. For me, okay. I, I, well, I, I, look, I, I, this is still a recommend for Bruce. It's a good. good oh yeah, play. it's like this is like three and a half. Okay, fair. That's it. Eric, yes. Well, it's still low, but that's fine. But the, the, <laughs> that's not the low. La- that's the, still the a last, good rating. <laughs> the last the last bit though. I kind of see where you're coming from, but like, I, if it's the part you're talking about that I'm thinking of, I got a lot of that from, uh, I guess, just through osmosis, through the characters. Well, um, the very, very final thing I like. Is that like that, the, the, you're talking about like, uh, you know what? Let's, say, let's, just say, <laughs> let's just say four. It felt like it rushed to four or five storyline conclusions. Let's just say that. Yeah. And I felt unsatisfied by that. I wanted there to be... Like I wanted it to all be motivated and have uh, something exciting and interesting to me. Where uh, what basically happened was the same thing happened to everybody. I'm just I, gonna I, say. I guess what I guess what I'll say with, that won't give anything away is I felt a lot of the world outside of what we see on screen. Yeah. So when something kind of comes in for a second and then leaves, I'm already imagining what what's going on out there. So yeah. that that part that you're talking about that may have felt rushed or whatever, like I kind of already built all that story in my head. So when it came to that, it, it wasn't necessarily that I knew that's where they were going. But when they went there, I was like, totally makes sense. I, we I, might have to do spoiler talk on this. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But, you know, it, it, I do understand where, where Bruce is coming from. And I have a feeling that there's going to be people who will be watching Candyland for two thirds of the movie expecting something. And then when the final third happens, they may be disappointed. I was ratcheted up a notch because I'm also a sociopath. So I don't know, I guess maybe that's why. But ultimately, yes, predictable rating for me is five stars for Candyland. Bruce, your rating? Three and a half. Three and a half for you and Eric Holmes. Final thoughts on Candyland and your Six rating. Six point nine star baby. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> only that's only appropriate. Six point nine star baby. This is absolutely say, a uh, grindhouse uh, movie, though. It's great. Yeah. As oh far yeah, as that goes. The uh, Owen Owen Martin. Owen Campbell. Mm-hmm. Owen Campbell, right? Yep. Of all the people here, I'm the one who should know that. Owen Campbell. <laughs> no worries. I wanted to see him and Elliot Langridge do a movie together, like where yes. they're brothers or something. Like the, those two just need. I'm just throwing that out to the movie gods. Owen Campbell, Elliot Langridge. And we haven't seen anything from Elliot Langridge in a while, so I, I kind of miss him. Were, were like, either of you slightly disappointed? This is this is not my main issue with the movie. Were either of you slightly disappointed it wasn't his movie? No. Um, no. I'm, no. Because no. I, I, I actually, that this would be another... Uh, <laughs> I, I will say this, I, 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 the, the The main character wasn't who I thought it would. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just put it that way. Yeah, or who I thought it was. Okay, well, and I'll say this: I, I will echo a certain sentiment regarding regarding this. Owen Campbell is just a fantastic actor, Bruce. Yeah. So i I wouldn't have had a problem if he was the main character. And I was thinking during the movie is, well, I really have to see Owen Campbell in more movies. He could actually yeah. lead in a movie. He he should be a lead in a movie. You know. So Eric, I'm sorry. Oh, I was gonna say he's also in Super Dark Times, which I still need to watch that. 
Oh, you said, wow. you said okay. So look, here is Candyland. Where can you find it? It is. I'm trying to look. Where where is it? It's. I think it's playing in theaters on Friday. I actually. Oh yeah, opens in opens in theaters this Friday. Okay, so I hope some people get to see Candyland. Oh, and it's also going to be available on digital platforms. So three and a half stars from Bruce Berkey and five star bangers from me and Eric. And look, we're That's going to be talking from Eric. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Chad Wilfong, oh, tell sorry, us who's yeah, wrong. Probably me. <laughs> Chad Wilfong from our Cinematics Facebook group will will chime in eventually because he he actually ends up watching. Actually, actually, from our Cinematics Facebook group, who watches the most movies that we watch? Bruce, would that be Chad Wilfong? You think? Probably Bruce. Oh, wait, what? You know what? <laughs> Bruce, no, no. What, of all the movies that we watch, Bruce watches the most of them. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> funny. But uh, I'm I don't know. Mitch, Mitch Birds is pretty good. He watches a lot. Peter Beta watches a lot. Yeah, Mitch. Uh, I'm so glad. This let's give a special shout out to Mitch Burns from the Hollywood Persona. When, who was on were, were Eric? Or is it, was it you? Were you on the Hollywood Persona recently with Mitch Burns a couple of weeks ago? What was yeah, that? Yeah. Okay. How, um, how was that experience for the Hollywood Persona? I, well, it's weird because I haven't listened to the episode yet. But uh, me and Mitch, I don't know what he recorded and what he didn't. I, I listened to it. What do you want to know? <laughs> I, I, well, I assume because I, I think we talked about emancipation. Yes, but we're, we're we're like just yapping back and forth to each other for like an hour before we even hit record. So it's hard. It, I I have no idea what actually made it on the episode and what did. It wasn't that long. It was about forty five minutes, I think. So I think you okay. must have cut out some. And then I think we stopped recording and talked for another twenty minutes. But yeah, Mitch Burns is pretty awesome. Yeah, check out Mitch Burns over at. And the by the way, I found out, yes, um, and I don't know if this was recorded or if this was on the thing. But he prefers Bitch Burns over the Mitch Burns. He doesn't like the Mitch Burns. He like bitch. He, he likes Bitch Burns better. I, I, I'm show. guessing. I'm guessing yeah. he prefers Mitch Burns just flat out. Flat out. Okay. Between the Mitch Burns and Bitch Burns, I think he prefers Bitch Burns because I think he thinks it's funny. Okay. But yeah, Mitch Burns is awesome. Yeah, we love Whoa. Mitch Burns over at the Hollywood Persona. Yes, Bruce Berkey. If he's Mitch Burns, I could be Somer Himson if he wants me to be. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So that is Candyland. That is our pick of the week. I would say that's our, our big pick. Pick of the week. Oh, Bruce is well, three and a half is not a low rating, right, Bruce? It's still a solid recommend. No, it's solid. I like. I, I, I just I I wanted it to be as awesome as it was in the first two thirds, and for me, it wasn't. That's all. Okay, let's talk about maybe some quick recommendations. There is a movie that I saw about a week ago. I love nature movies. I'm a city slicker. Anything, any movie that deals with a human being out in the elements, I just glom onto because I don't, I can't even go to my backyard without feeling nervous. There's a movie called Wildcat currently streaming on Prime Video and it centers on this guy who is a, it's, it's a documentary on this military vet and he's living in the Amazon and he helps raise an ocelot. Okay. And that is the premise of the documentary. Wildcat. He helps raise it with another woman and she's actually his superior and she's, what is it, a conservationist or she's just some kind of, whatever. She's doing her doctorate. She's just one of these people who she lives part of the time in the Amazon. And then I think she lives somewhere in the Pacific Northwest as well. So follows both of their lives, but mainly really focuses on the raising of this ocelot in Wildcat. I really enjoyed it. But Bruce, what did you think of the doc? Did it work for you? For me, this is a four-star rating there were some complaints about is it exploited because the main guy he has suicidal thoughts he has ptsd etc etc did you think it was a little bit bordering on exploitation or do you think this was a well-rendered well-intentioned documentary 
I think more to the latter side. I think it's well-intentioned. I think it's a good documentary. I ended up quite liking this. A short preamble to this, I started watching White Noise. I got about 15 or 20 minutes into it, and I was like, oh, gosh, no, this is not for me. And I, I said, what was that movie that Greg mentioned? And I was like, oh, I'll go watch that instead. And I would say for people who don't know, you've already mentioned it, basically. This movie is probably as much about the humans, I guess, but especially about the one dude, uh, Harry Turner, about him almost as much, if not more, than the, the raising of this ocelot. It does work as kind of this beautiful nature documentary and, and you know, rehabilitating a orphaned wildcat and trying to get it released back into the, you know, into nature on its own, be able to survive on its own. The ocelots, I guess, usually get released or kind of kicked out of the nest by their their mom when they're about somewhere around two years old. So they've never had been able to really successfully do that, you know, with humans raising them till they're that old and then getting them to go on their own. That's always been kind of a problem. So that's kind of the basic conservationist side of this. But the interesting thing is, and like you said, it could be considered exploitative and all that, but I mean, they know they're being filmed. And also the question is how much is, you know, the camera affecting their, what they're doing too. That's always a question in documentaries. I'm assuming they signed off and released everything. They knew what was getting out there. I'm guessing it doesn't seem like an unethical documentary when I'm watching it. As a microcosm, I think it's interesting because it kind of works almost like you see a lot of people with their children, whereas people use children as a way to work through their, their depression or their unhappiness or whatever it is. Like, I'm going to be able to solve my life if I just have a kid, you know, or if I make this, if I can get this kid to like be the extension of myself or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that kind of a thing. Go ahead. Or bury it or bury it somewhere, you know, just bury that. Yeah. I can bury all of my emotion into this project. And that's kind of how he works. And then to combine it even more complicated is you have Samantha Zwicker, I believe her name is, and she's kind of the, the main person behind this project. And she's taken him on among other people. But they're also dating. So that's a whole other element. And you get to kind of see their lives and their families and all that stuff kind of weaving in a little bit into this. I think it's really fascinating. And I think it's a step above what you think it might be when you walk into this. You think it's going to be just one kind of nature documentary and it's actually kind of a lot more. There's one moment that almost got me to tears and had had nothing to do with what did you say, Harry Turner or the Ocelot had to deal with a, a family member. That was a very real moment. So for me, Wildcat currently on Prime Video streaming four, four out of five. Bruce, what is your rating? I'm exactly the same. Four out of five. And I would say if you're a type of person that says like, I don't like those animal documentaries, maybe give it a chance. It might be a little more than you think. Speaking of giving it a chance, Let's give Peter Beta a chance this week, as we do every single week, as he's doing the musical interlude. Is there? I don't even know if it's a music interlude. What what, what does Pete do for us every single week, Eric Holmes? He of the one-liners that really bang every week. What 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 does he do? What does Pete do, Eric Holmes? Pete, rock that box. Or (laughs) (laughs) there you go, RTB Pete. I I stick with my original. Yo, Pete, rock that box. (laughs) Remove your hand from the box. And you die. That's in the box. Pain. All right, we are back for the box movie of the week. It is Little Forest. It's a Korean film headlined by Kim Tae-ree. And really, what is it? It's, uh, I, I think if I recall, it's Kim Tae-ree plays a, a university student. I think she drops out of school or something. And she's... What she's trying to, she needs a little bit of a break from the big city. So she moves back home for a while to actually just, just take a break. What 
starts off as like a little mini break. She starts remembering her life and how her mother used to cook for her, the food that she used to eat as a child. And she actually carries on the tradition of her mother. That's the spirit of Little Forest. It's you, you see Kim Tae-ri's character cooking different Korean dishes in this really beautiful area, that little this little world of Little Forest. There are actually neighbors and friends she meets along the way, but it's a very quiet, serene, peaceful film. And there's going to be a lot of people who say, what? This sounds really boring. But for some reason, Little Forest worked for me a couple of years ago. I did I didn't do a rewatch, Bruce. I, I watched sections of it over the past week. How did Little Forest hit you? It hit me. I like this quite a bit too. And once again, I could see Eric maybe going either way on this one. This could be one of those where it's boring too. But I, first of all, I kind of got to mention too that when she gets there, it's it's just kind of like she'll go to the, the family home and it's just isolated. It's just desolate. She gets there in the winter. And in fact, this goes through all the seasons. That's kind of your framework of this, right? She goes through basically a year at this at this location. Her mom just left. And I think some family friend comes by very shortly after she the the daughter, uh, if we had her name again. Kim Terry. Uh, oh, the yeah. name that it, Oh, yeah. Hey, Wan. Hey, hey, hey wasn't, wasn't it her aunt that comes by? Yeah, her aunt. She that's kept right. saying like aunt, whatever the yeah. name is. Yeah, her aunt appears and tells her that, you know, your mom just disappeared shortly after you left school. So when she, get, so when, uh, she gets back there, the girl, um, she's just on her own, just in this cold, you know, isolated house, just been sitting there. And you just see her from the very opening moment. She, what, she digs up some... Uh, <laughs> I think she immediately digs up some cabbage or something and just starts cooking. And boy, if you like watching people cook food, they cook a lot of food in this movie and you get to watch it and it is shot so beautifully and you're going to be so hungry by the end of this movie. It looks so good. And they cook some really, really cool meals. But along with that, there's there's kind of little uh, intriguing stories. Like you said, it interweaves her kind of her relationship with her mom and, and kind of how through this experience and through cooking and through this you know, experience kind of living on her own and having to support herself kind of, I guess, gaining her confidence and independence and her own identity to some degree. That's kind of, I guess I'd say would be like the, uh, the thematic through line of the story. And then there's also her, her old friend who's living there and her old mm, guy friend. And you don't know if there's going to be a romance or something there too, which I think he's also in uh, that movie we saw. Recently. He's also an alienoid. I think he's also an alienoid. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So this isn't the prequel to Alienoid, if you didn't know. <laughs> it all starts to make sense now. It all starts in this really serene little uh, bucolic movie where they just cook. I, I kind of love this movie too. And I was mentioning to both both you guys um, that I looked up afterwards. I guess this originally was a Japanese movie, or two movies. The Japanese movies are like two, each movie is two seasons. So if you look it up, it's called the same thing, I think. It's called Little Forest. And one of them's like fall and winter and the other one's like spring and summer or some combination like that. So instead of four hours, you're getting to see this in two hours, which I guess that's good. And also this came out after both of them, both versions came out after Wolf Children, which I mentioned on here before. And Wolf Children isn't exactly the same, but there's some really, really, really strong elements of Wolf Children in this movie. And I don't know if they're both based on the same manga or something, or if they're just you know, happy coincidences, but I just thought that was kind of an interesting uh, crossing of things I've seen recently. I think this is a delightful movie. I it's pretty hard not to like. <laughs> I think. Okay, but- wait, look on the on the downside. What do you not? You would not recommend this movie to people who maybe if you just like big action plot heavy movies. This is not probably for you. <laughs> so okay, fair. Well, what's it for you, Eric Holmes? Uh, this was real similar to Mars One for me, where there's not much plot. It's more about the characters 
And like Bruce said, a lot more about the food. I could not stay out of the kitchen. I had to stop it many times. It's like, fuck, I'm I'm cooking fancied up ramen. I don't care what. <laughs> I got to cook something. <laughs> what did you put on the ramen, I, Eric? I just random spice. It's ramen. It's not that. <laughs> we, we we don't have much. We we didn't have much to go on. But like usually, like th- this movie inspired me to like want to cook some more and just like get in the kitchen because uh, like so. I'm not finished with the menu. I saw like half of it before we started recording. I'll watch the rest of it when we're done recording today. But like the menu, the parts I've seen, that's the kind of foodie stuff that I don't really gravitate towards because it's almost too pretentious and look how, look how important this is and blah, blah, blah. And it's, uh, uh, similar problem with they had with Hero Dreams of Sushi. Uh, they they gatekeep the food. It's like you could never possibly make rice the way he does. And it's like, dude, it's freaking. No, no, it's, it's a family show, but I, I put explicit yeah. on the podcast. It's okay. But uh, it's rice. It's not that big of a deal. But with this, watching her cook, like she's she's remembering her mom. She's you know having fun trying different things. Like you know, she she really loves doing what she's not doing it in a pretentious. Oh, look how important this is manner. She's doing it out of love, out of joy, and that that really comes through. And, you know, I'll, I'll watch like a lot of Epicurious or uh, Google Foods on YouTube, and they got kind of that same thing. It's like, hey, cooking's fun. Come in and do it. You know, she's like, she's kind of got that same attitude of cooking's fun. You know, uh, growing a garden's fun, and then it also reminds her of her, of her mom. So, you know, again, this is not so much a plot heavy thing as a character thing, but like the character just really came through for me. And watching her do all the cooking stuff. I, I think a lot of the cooking stuff kind of elevated a bit of bar of, above Mars One for me. But again, if you don't like uh, food porn as much as I do, maybe <laughs> maybe this won't grab you the same way. But I, I really like this one a lot. Okay, so Little Force is available, available on digital VOD and various streaming formats. I mean, if you, as of this recording, if you go on YouTube and put in Little Forest movie, You'll be able to find it. It's available, the full movie. I'm just saying you can actually watch it on YouTube for free. Let's go to ratings. I'm not going to rate it because I saw it a couple of years ago and I did rewatch it. I would probably give it like a four and a half, but it's not a fresh rewatch right now. So I'm going to leave the ratings to, okay, yeah. Okay, Eric Holmes, you're going to put a four and a half for me? I, I, oh, four and a half out of memory. Okay, good. Four and a half for me. I, I, I'm I'm going to go Proustian with my rating. Eric Holmes, your rating on Little Forest? I was thinking four, but there's enough value added for four and a half because when they do show her cooking, it's not just from the shoulders up with her close-ups right. on you know, her hands doing things. Like You could actually watch this movie and pretty much glean how she made everything in that. And so I think even if you don't like the movie, there's a bunch of awesome looking recipes in here. So just go back and, oh, how, how'd she make that? We're, we're going to try that today. <laughs> What about you, Bruce? Well, I am right with Eric as well. I watched this movie and I was looking up, first of all, creme brulee. And I'm like, I need a torch. I can't make creme brulee without a torch. <laughs> and it made cabbage look good. And I don't usually like cabbage. So the fact that it can make cabbage look good, that uh, definitely put it to four and a half territory for me as well. This is this is a really, this is another one I say it's easy to recommend to a lot of people. If they give it a chance, I think it's, it's really, it's a really... Um, wonderful movie let's say you're watching this movie and you're like this movie's boring i don't like the characters i don't like whatever put it on but you like cooking just put just it on cooking. and when she starts cooking the first thing pause it or stop it and then go back and just watch that scene where she's cooking the thing and see if you can recreate that yeah and then if you do that then go on to the next thing because she cooks a ton in this and so yep. if, if you at all like cooking this is like a must watch and 
She makes he, booze. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, she makes the, was it like rice wine? Stuff? Yeah. Soju? Soju. Like, so you can get drunk during wine. this too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a, this is an iPhone. Oh, real, real quick, the 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 booze that she makes. Try go on like uh, Google and look up the actual way to do that because they they can get dangerous. Ah, you know, <laughs> dangerous. Come on, the worst that'll happen, you won't be able to see the next. Uh, the I, next I, I'm just saying, like if someone just saw how someone did uh, dry aging meat and like, oh, you just put a bag over it and leave it out. I can do that, and then they, you know, like, <laughs> if, if they don't know exactly how to do it, they could just not get the thing they're Little. looking for. Little blindness from badly made alcohol is not going to hurt anybody. <laughs> Good point. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, little force is not going to hurt anybody either. So it's four and a half for Bruce and Eric. And from my memory, I give it four and a half as well. That is a very gem of a pick for the box. Before we go, I'm not going to continue with the skit bit because I suddenly remembered that we're not going to end the show until Bruce pick something from the box so bruce Yay. what's in the box what's in the bleeping what's in the box, box? What's in the, box? In the box i'm gonna dig deep deep into my box and see what's in the bottom of my box see. he's getting in there and rocking that box yeah, rocking yes. that box well we were we were in Candyland earlier so you know <laughs> see what well, we got 40 dollars. you didn't have to wear protection I don't know how this got here i don't know who suggested it i don't even know what this movie is it's the pirate from 19 <laughs> 48. That's not me. So it's probably Joseph Bridges from our Cinematics Facebook group. Yes. I'm assuming. The Pirate, 1948. Okay. Thank you. I'm assuming Joseph Bridges for that pick. Before we go, Eric Holmes, final thoughts. I, I'm going to steal your final thought. You're going to say, go see Candyland right now or not. What is your final thought, Eric Holmes? Well, I, I, I wrote this on the thing. I just wanted to mention, oh, my God, me and Bruce have one. We did the, the last movie of 2022 and first movie 2023. Mm. Just want to say. Uh, last movie was training day because uh, we were with the kids and she was like, hey, Brandon, you want to watch a Denzel Washington movie? <laughs> and then oh, wow. we put on training day. We, we, me and Steve sat down with all the kids and watched training day and they were pretty much hooked. And then the first movie of 2023, Groupers, oh, thank you very much. The Grouper, thank you very much. <laughs> directed by Anderson Cowan. What was it like rewatching it? How many times have you seen Groupers? Have you seen, I've seen it a lot? I, I've seen Groupers a ton. Uh -huh. Obviously, you know, editing my portion of it, but just uh, since it since it came out and like seeing all the like once Anderson had it, like I had like a I had seen like a kind of unclean version, I guess, before they did like all the video effects and stuff and the sound stuff. Like I saw like that version of it a bunch of times. And then so when it came out, like getting to see like all the little differences and stuff, it was like, oh, this is fun. And then just uh, watching it again, dude, well, Travis Sanberry's awesome. Travis yeah. Sanberry's one of my favorite people ever. And he's so freaking good. Everyone's great in this. That is groupers. It's available uh, everywhere or everywhere you stream, uh, specifically yeah. Prime Video. Prime Video, you can catch Anderson Cowan's movie. Of course, Anderson Cowan is the creator of Cinematics. And we'll have Anderson either next week or the following week. I haven't texted him as of yet. When we're going to get him back on our cinematics platform. Bruce Berkey, send us out. I'll just tell you the last movie I watched that wasn't on this show before the end of 2022. And that was the movie Slugs. And oh. if you want to hear more about Slugs and other similar movies, go listen to me over on uh, Jason Kleberg's uh, Force 5. Okay. We love Jason. We love Force 5. And we will see you guys next week here on Cinematics.